Good morning, everybody. Well, after the hurricane last summer, emergency preparedness was on everybody's mind. It's gone away, but as it turns out, uh, the, we have a very good emergency preparedness committee here. And I had heard Linda Austin give a presentation earlier, and so I asked her to come back and give it for the entire community. And so she's going to talk about that today. So please welcome Linda. Bob, I'd like to say one thing before we start, and that is to say thank you to you for all you do with all your podcasts. They're all so they're interesting and they're informative for our committee. And now we're even doing one that can save lives. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you, Bob. And as he said, my name is Linda Austin, and I am a member of the EPC, Emergency Preparedness Committee. And this may be the most important video you have ever watched, not because I'm preparing it, but because it could save your life. We live in paradise. I firmly believe that. But could there be a disaster? You bet there could. Of course, we're always focused on earthquakes, but there are other things that could happen, like we learned in August with Hurricane Hillary. We could have floods. Um, there are many, many trucks and trains that follow the, the I-10, and any one of them you know, could have a... Um, a rollover or a derailment and be filled with hazardous material. So we need to be aware of that. And then as we learned just a couple weeks ago, wildfires can be an issue here, which I have to say really surprised me. But why are we here? As I said, I'm representing the EPC, Emergency Preparedness Committee. And what we want to do is to educate you on the possibility of a major disaster, show you how to prepare for one, and the most difficult part is to motiva motivate you to do that. We have many earthquakes every day. I looked up the numbers on December 12th, and we had 35 that day. 167 in the previous week, in the last year, we've had almost 11,000. Now, people say, well, I didn't feel anything. Well, they have to be above a magnitude of two or more in order for us to feel it. Um, but what scares me is 11,000. How do I know that the next one won't be the big one? That's my concern. And the scientists predict that if we do have a major earthquake, there will be three major breaks between the Salton Sea and Whitewater. And what does that mean to us? Well, widespread damage, um, electrical lines are down, the I-10 could be closed, the bridges over the I-10 could, could be, you know, down, which means to us on this side of the I-10 that we, have we do not have access to any medical facilities other than urgent cares. But you say, what do we have to worry about? The firemen and the EMTs are right there on 40th Avenue, right in our backyard, and they will be here to help us. Oh, no, they won't, because they're going to head to the town of Indio first, where their older homes, people are, many people, and they're packed together. So 
here, there could be significant damage and isolation, you know, for a couple of weeks. All the more reason for all of us to be self-sufficient. But there is some good news. When these homes were built by Pulte back starting 20 years ago, they did build them to very vigorous earthquake standards, which was news to me, good news. Um, for one thing, they have post-tension floor slabs, which means that in, within the cement, there are wire bars or very thick threads of very strong steel that connect all sides of the slab which means that hopefully if we have an earthquake, we'll be able to just kind of roll with it, kind of like a raft in the river. We also have what's called shear wall construction. That means that the roof is connected all the way to the slab and should you know, anchor it and, and hold the house together. Um, so our houses very well may stand, but there could be devastation everywhere. Now that you're all scared, I want to talk to you about the Emergency Preparedness uh, Committee. Um, and they were formed to do three things. Number one, to educate our residents to be self-sufficient, which is why I'm here today. Show you how to prepare, how to survive, and how to recover from a major event. We also recruit and train um, volunteers and we activate them if necessary. And finally, we have an amazing EOC center, Emergency Operations Center, right uh, along Sun City Boulevard next to the Montecito tennis courts. Um, fully stocked, you wouldn't believe it, with communications, first aid, anything you can think of is packed into that building. Um, and we also can set up sub-command posts throughout the community. Um, as I said, the EOC is packed with emergency support and, com and equipment. It is for the exclusive uh, use of trained volunteers, people on the e EPC. And that is, but it is a benefit to all Sun City Shadow Hills residents. Um, the thing you need to know is that the Sun City Shadow Hills and the HOA and trained volunteers assume no responsibility, but they promise to do their best. So let's get started. And you can get started sitting in your recliner in your great room. And here's how. The first thing you need to do is to join the RIVCO alert, which is Riverside County. Here is the website. You can do it on landlines, cell phones, or even email. But they'll, they will um, notify you if anything happens, including law enforcement incidences. The second thing is to, to sign up for the app MyShake. MyShake app was, a, um, was developed between the University of California, Berkeley, and the US Geological Survey. It monitors the tectonic plates and issues warning when earthquake occurs. Now, it's not going to give you 10 minutes warning. It might just give you enough warning to drop to the ground. 
Uh, something else that is so important for everybody, particularly if you're single, and it's important all the time, not just in a disaster, is called the vial of life. And you get that little sticker right there um, to put on the front of your door. You tape it on there so that if EMTs come, they know you have the vial of life. And what that is is you get a form and you put in your, you know, your personal information, your medical information, who to contact in an emergency, et cetera. And then you fold it and put it in a baggie and tape it to the inside of your refrigerator door. I know that sounds strange, but they know, the EMTs know to go to your refrigerator and look for that information. Something else created by the EPC is, are the red-green cards. And you want, if there's an emergency, as soon as possible, place it on your front door, on your window, on your garage door, on your gate. And you can indicate whether everybody is okay inside by using the green side, or if you need help, you show the red side. And volunteers from the EPC will be in golf carts going on every street. They've got it all mapped out, and they will, you know, if you need help, they'll be there. Another important thing is to secure all of your important documents. You can scan them and, and photograph them and upload them to the cloud or put them on a thumb drive and give them to a friend or email them to somebody. Not somebody who lives right here, however. So what kinds of documents? Well, identification, your driver's license, birth certificate, medical information, uh, legal documents, insurance information, and it's not just on your house, it's on your car, and sadly, you need your life insurance documents in there too, and then all of your financial stuff. Also, a family communication plan is a really good idea. If you're not at home, but someplace else in Sun City, Shadow Hills, like somebody's on the golf course and someone's in a fitness class, and there's an emergency and you can't get home, have a designated place to meet. It, and it's even more important if you're not in our community, if somebody's at the outlet and somebody else is out for lunch and you need a place to meet, and it wouldn't hurt to have one on both sides of the I-10 because we may not be able to, to cross it. Another really good idea is to select an out-of-state contact, or at least far away in this state, and give them a list of names to contact um, in case there is an emergency so they can inform the other people. Another really good one you should have all the time is called, in case of emergency, ICE. So you create a contact in your cell phone. It's called ICE ICE, and then you put in the people who should be contacted if something happens. Um, the good thing is that even if your phone is off or you've got a, a, you have to put some numbers in or password, EMTs can get into your phone by accessing ICE. So that's a good thing. Another really important thing is that if we have an emergency, it's way better to text because phone lines may be down or they may be overloaded and texting is your best opportunity to get a hold of somebody. Money. 
That is something I never thought about, at least in relationship to an emergency. Because if there's no electricity, there's no ATMs. What would we do without that? No cash registers. How would we buy something or a gas station? So you need small bills that in case there is something at the store to buy, you can buy it with your cash of stash of cash. <laughs> Another important thing for your house are fire extinguishers, and you really should have two of them at least, in different parts of the house, fully charged. And remember, if you have to use it, then it needs to be recharged. Another important thing, and very interesting, is to attend the Emergency Preparedness 101 seminar. And that... Um, Jeff Kirkpatrick is the person who conducts this seminar. He's also the person who is chair of the EPC. He is the person who created our emergency operations centers and stocked them. He is so knowledgeable and had a lot of experience before he came here. And now he's even sharing that experience with other communities because ours is one of the very premier EOCs in the Valley. So he's helping other people do the same. And it's free, and it's very informative. Okay, now it's time to prepare your home. No more sitting on the recliner. This Now you have to get up, walk around, look in every room, look up, and notice what's there, what's in there. Um, if you've got cupboards, which everybody does, you may need to put the childproof latches on those because... Otherwise, glassware and dishes and everything will come flying out in, a, in an earthquake. Um, you need to attach your heavy furniture to the wall, like entertainment centers and TVs and artwork. And if you have bookcases and, and things like that, please move the heavy things to the bottom shelves to give it more stability. A very interesting statistic, and scary also, is that in the Northridge earthquake, 55% of all injuries were due to flying objects in your own home. And while we're talking about flying objects, think about glass. Glass and porcelain from your cabinets hitting the stone countertops or tile floors. You know what's going to happen. It's going to shatter, and people and floors and everything will be covered in glass. And something people sometimes forget is your garage. Again, there's a lot of hazardous chemicals in there, whether it's you know paint or bug killers or weed killers. In cabinets, you need to secure the cabinets and if you have workbenches to the to the walls because otherwise they may fall over, not only damaging your car, but maybe keeping you from getting your car out of the garage when, if there's an evacuation order, you're going to have to take your golf cart. Okay, now, we're preparing to live, and the first thing we need is water. And you need water for at least 14 days. Um, and that is one gallon per person per day. 
And if you have sick people or animals or it's the summertime or you're using it to hydrate food, you're going to need more water. Um, and one interesting tip that I learned was that if you have a tank water heater, you can, you can get that water out and, and drink that. Doesn't sound good, but we could do it. The other thing we need is food. And we need again for 14 days. There's a couple of options, ways you can do that. The first would be to stock your pantry for an emergency. Have canned or dried meats, dry cereal, of course, if your milk has gone bad, might not be quite as tasty. Canned fruits and vegetables, um, and high energy items like granola bars and, and stuff like that. Another option is um, freeze-dried food, and you can pick that up almost anywhere. And it's good for, I know mine's not good for 15 years, some of it's good for 25 years. It may be somewhat expensive, but if you really need food, it's worth it. Um, and maybe the best option is to kind of stock your pantry, use that food first, and then use the dried food if you need it. Now, one question that has been asked by many people is, is my food safe if the electricity goes out and obviously my freezer and my refrigerator are off? And here's the official note on that, is that if it, your refrigerator is above 41 degrees for more than four hours, some perishables may not be safe. And of course, my mind goes to, oh dear, there goes my milk. Uh, freezer? If above 41 degrees for one or two days, it may not be safe. But if you see ice crystals on it, it's probably okay. And I'm like, well, there goes my ice cream. There's nothing left. Um, let's talk about basic first aid kit. That's another thing you, you really need in your house. Uh, it should contain bandages, compresses, pressure pads. And you can make a pressure pad just by taking like a bath towel and folding it really tightly, and that can be used. Sterile dressings and adhesive tape, of course, sterile water, antiseptics, aspirins, pain medication, um, scissors and tweezers, especially if you've got shards of glass in your skin. You might even need a magnifying glass to get it out, but you're going to need those tweezers. And then latex gloves and hand sanitizer. Some additions to your first aid kit would be your medications. I mean, especially if they're life-saving medications, you've got to have them in there. Other supplies like insulin. And those things we all need, glasses, canes, walkers, etc. need to keep those close. You can buy the official first aid kit, which is very extensive and pretty expensive, but worth it. Now let's talk about emergency survival kits. We just need a lot of things put together where we can get to it easily in case there is an emergency. Things like personal hygiene supplies. You can figure that one out yourself. The other one is trash bags, ties, and a bucket. And that is your new bathroom. Leather gloves, flashlights and batteries, of course, UV protection, especially here and plastic sheeting and duct tape. And you may be asking, why do I need that for a hurricane? Well, if your windows were broken, you could use it there. But even more importantly, if we have a hazardous gas leak 
and we're in the area, the wind is blowing our way, you need to cover your doors and your windows and secure it with um, tape. A few other things to include will be matches, a whistle, and that's because if you know you get a hoarse voice from calling for help, you can use a whistle and people understand that that's kind of a universal signal for send help. And a manual can opener, because if you're trying to open those cans of tuna or whatever that's in your pantry, and you have an electric can opener, not gonna work. Um, and then, of course, some rain gear, blankets, and pet food and water. And something that's really good to know is that the EPC and security have um, chip readers for your animals. So if they get lost, they can connect them with you. And in the meantime, there will be like a dog pound at the Montecito Tennis Courts, court number four, and they have it all set up. They've got a shed there with pet food and pet supplies and anything you could need. So you can rest easy knowing your dogs or cats will be taken care of. Now we have all those emergency supplies, but we need to get some of them into a small container in case we get the call from Riverside County telling us that we have to leave, we have to vacate. Um, you're not gonna have time to run around the house looking for you know, your medicines or flashlights or whatever. So you need to have that, those things packed in a small container, a backpack um, or a small suitcase. And if we have an earthquake, when the, sh when the shaking stops, you just grab and go. Now this might sound like a personal question. What's in your nightstand? Well, what should be there are hard-soled shoes. So if, if there's an earthquake in the middle of the night and you've got broken glass all over the bedroom floor, you're going to need hard-soled shoes to get anywhere. So I have a pair in my drawer, uh, heavy gloves, in case you have to move some, some of that glass or anything else, a crow or a pry bar in case furniture has, has um, shifted and you need to move it, or in an emergency to break the window and get out, flashlights and batteries and your cell phone and charger. And I have to say, very important to secure everything over and around your bed. We have artwork all the way across our bed, and I don't want that falling on my head if we have an earthquake in the middle of the night. What is also very important are generators if you rely on electricity for life-saving medical devices. So they have a lot of generators. We have information in the rounder at the Santa, or at the Santa Rosa and the Montecito on that. Um, or you could get solar panels, but you have something that will provide electricity if it all goes down. And this might be a little obvious, but transportation. If you have a golf cart or an electric car, please make sure it's charged at least halfway. Probably better than that would be a good idea. If you have a car with an internal combustion engine, you need to make sure you have gas in there at least half full. And carry some emergency supplies in there. Have a grab-and-go bag there um, in case you have to really grab and go. Okay, now the earthquake hits. Preparation time is over. Now what do you have to do? 
you drop, immediately drop on your hands and knees and crawl to safety. You don't run over under the table because you're going to be thrown down and you can get down far more gently yourself than the earthquake will send you down. And then you cover. And it can be, you know, under sturdy furniture, you know, a dining room table, an interior wall, or low-lying heavy furniture like your um, sofa. Not in the doorway. And that was the prevailing theory years ago. They said, stand in the doorway. There's more structure there. Not a good idea because you'll just be thrown around. You need to be on the floor as soon as possible. Cover your head and neck and shelter. And hold on. Know that aftershocks, there will be aftershocks, and some of them could be more severe than the actual earthquake. And you stay there until the shaking stops. Now that applies to you and the earthquake. When that happens, the first thing you need to do is assess your personal situation. Uh, what's the condition of the people in the house or the house itself? Um, tend to injuries, etc. And then check out the exterior of your home. Um, check for gas leaks for sure, water leaks, you know, big cracks. Um, and then check out the uh, perimeter of your yard. Now, we're right near the canal, so, I mean, that could be an interesting. need to check that out. Secondly, open your garage door right away and get your cars, your vehicles out of there. Um, then display your red-green card so the people coming around know you're okay or not. Uh, move your disaster supplies to a more handy location because you'll be using them. And then, if possible, check out your neighbors, especially you know if they're not here or they're elderly. Um, and make sure they don't have gas leaks or water because that's going to affect your house as well. And then render aid if it's, if it's at all possible. Um, a few tips for earthquake. Number one is please don't call 911 unless it's really a life and death situation. As I said, they're not heading here first. Stay in your home if it's structurally sound, and do not leave Sun City Shadow Hills unless it's severely damaged or we get, you know, the note from Riverside County that it's time to leave. And what about our community? Well, if we have an earthquake or a flood or anything, you have to know that spontaneous volunteers are not covered by HOA liability insurance. If you are a member of EPC or other committees, you are covered by that liability. Another thing is California does have the Good Samaritan Law. As long as you're not performing things that are above your pay grade, so to speak. I mean, you won't find me out there doing a tracheotomy. Um, a word about the Emergency Preparedness Committee. We have about 60 to 75 members, which, whoa, you say, that sounds like a lot. But is it a lot for 6,000 residents, 3,450 homes? I do not think so. So the goals, again, for the EPC are to teach the community to be self-sufficient. That's why I'm here today 
to provide a well-trained team for Sun City Shadow Hills. Um, you know, everybody has taken emergency prep 101, the two-day cert course, first aid, stop the bleed, active shooter. And then we have others who are minimally trained. They've done the emergency prep, um, some FEMA online uh, training courses in first aid. Um, we need to recruit new members um, in a disaster. We just, 60 people. And then the problem is that of those, if you have 60 people, 10 of them might be out of town. You know, another 20 might, they might have damage and can't leave their homes. Or, and some people just won't be able to rise to the occasion. So we really need a lot more people. So as I said, people want to help. Um, it's good for you and for your community because I know so much more now about preparing for a disaster and I've done so much more um, than I did before I was an EPC. And you can join in whatever capacity just to let you know that all EPC meetings are the first Thursday of the month at right here at 13, oh, you don't know where I am, <laughs> Santa Rosa, um, at 1300 hours, which is one o'clock. One last thought is remember, if disaster does strike, try to be as calm as possible. You know, assess the situation, think clearly and act <laughs> decisively because it's very important and your life depends on it. Thank you. Thank you, Linda. That was very informative. And for the audience, if you're listening to this, be sure and watch the video, which is available on the website. Uh, and so uh, thank you for your attention. And until next time, bye-bye.